everybody, Evan Valella here from the USL Show, your host as always. Um, two things, we're sponsored by Rucknuck Scarves, so so appreciate those guys for helping us out. Um, all of your, your MLS, your USL, your U.S. national teams, your custom scarves, anything like that, Roughneck can definitely help you out. So give them a look at uh, roughneckscarves.com, as well as uh, another plug for our friends at Soccer Loco, a California-based but you know internationally shipping, if, if in case you live uh, outside of the U.S., uh, soccer equipment and apparel and supplies, things like that. If you're looking for that you know sweet new Philip Coutinho Barcelona kit, if you want to express your love for Kevin De Bruyne with Manchester City, like you know a certain host of this podcast that's doing the plug right now might, uh, or actually right now 25 to 50% off uh, footwear. So if you need some new cleats for the season, anything like that, or if you're like myself and you don't know what you're doing with cleats, they have a, a nice guide that'll help you figure out what kind of spikes you should get for, for where you're playing. So definitely check those guys out. The way you want to do that, though, the uslshow.com and then there's a little box that says soccer loco click that takes you to their homepage. then anything you buy off of there obviously you get which is great and then we get a little bit of cut of that money as well so definitely check those guys out once again uslshow.com then right at the top there uh, near where our patreon link is as well hint hint uh is the soccer loco guys definitely feel free to check them out other than that now that i got all the all the bills needing to get paid out of the way and all the plugs done this week should be a fun one. Um, it is Daryl Grove, the play-by-play for the Richmond Kickers, as well as half of the Total Soccer Show and a third of Top Drawer Soccer, uh, joining me to talk Richmond and a little bit of Wolverhampton, uh, as he is a, a West Midlands gentleman. And then I have uh, Jonathan Ace talking about the Charleston Battery of, uh, of Black and Yellow Post fame. So um, two people from the UK actually talking to me this week, which is a, which is always a nice time, and, and it'll be... Um, hopefully a little more pleasant on your ears than just listening to me and my gross United States American accent. So I'll leave you to it. Should be about an hour. Hope you enjoy. Definitely feel free to give us a follow at the USL show and, and check out everything. Beautiful game network of podcasts, uh, BGN.FM or at uh, BGN.FM on Twitter. Until then, I will I'll talk to you guys soon and uh, and take care. Well, uh, these are always weird because they're pre-recorded, so it's not like a super flowy, and I, I do the intro on top of it, things like that, Daryl. I'm sure you know how that goes. Yes. Anyway, joining me from uh, Total, Total Soccer Show, Top Drawer Soccer. He does the play-by-play for Richmond Kickers. He also happens to be British, so he's the more, I don't know, uh, auditorily pleasing part of this podcast. It's, uh, it's Daryl Grove. Hello. Hey, Evan. Daryl, you are right. How you been? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm sort of what we're a month away from the season, so I'm sort of yeah. slowly, slowly getting to know Richmond Kickers 2018. <laughs> and what a you know what a time we're a month out from USL. It's it's uh, it's like your New Year's Eve or your Christmas or, or something like that. <laughs> we're all just anxiously waiting and and geeking out until then. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a month before Christmas, right? You've still time to do shopping but you know you've got to start thinking about it yeah, pretty seriously yeah yeah and then like you know you you, you kind of know what you're getting already but you don't want to let on that you know because then you know other people <laughs> feel bad and, and things like that so for sure good analogies all around so uh you know daryl among other things i, I drug you here to to talk about richmond um which I, yeah. i've heard you know a little bit about um so and it's funny because I ask this to everyone and, and the, the variety of responses are, are really interesting and in how different they are because there's teams like, you know, Nashville or Atlanta United 2 that are just starting this year. And then we have teams like yourselves who have been around since before I was born. So um, 
if you wouldn't mind telling people, I guess, the abridged version of the Richmond Kickers history. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Richmond Kickers um, came into existence in 1993. They played in the, I believe it was called the United Soccer Interregional Soccer League, I think it was called, the U- USISL. Um, so, yeah, they've been going for, what, 25 years now, 1993. Obviously, um, I wasn't in the United States, so I was not aware that the Richmond Kickers existed. In 1993, I was busy watching Wolves not get promoted to the Premier League and England fail to qualify for the World Cup. But 3,000 miles away, the Richmond Kickers were being formed. <laughs> and now here we are with still the Richmond yeah. Kickers in a huge league and, and Wolves are maybe going back up. So yeah, uh, funny how that works. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and maybe this is a terrible. What are some of the? I mean, obviously, other than the name and, and the location and everything, what are kind of some of the the things that have been consistent? Maybe not since 1992, but but in the last you know three or five years or, or since you know USL has really started to gain steam. For the kickers, I mean, the thing I think consistency is the word, right? The reason that the kickers have been around since 1993 um, and are still around and other teams aren't, I actually looked at the the, the Atlantic division table and the, the teams that finished ahead of them were the Rally Flyers, the Delaware Wizards and the uh, Greensboro Dynamo. Beautiful. Those teams do not exist anymore, at least at, at a professional level. And I think the reason the kickers still exist is that sort of cons- consistency. They've never swung for the fences and spent money they didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had well, Lee Cowlishaw, who's currently the head coach, was a player in 93. Um, so they've had this really consistent sort of, um, it, it is almost like a little family type thing where there, there are people who are committed to soccer in Richmond and to the Richmond Kickers, and they make sure that the team stays in existence every year. So that's been the consistent thing over t- 25 years. And I think the weirdly the consistent thing over the last two or three years is that that approach that was good enough to stay in business for all, all these years um, is now sort of not necessarily good enough to compete mm. with teams like, say, Cincinnati, who are coming into the league and they're essentially they're in USL, but they're just they're there to prove that they can go that next step to Major League Soccer, right? So essentially, the kickers are now up against better resourced teams and maybe more ambitious teams. And the the, the consistent thing has been seeing the kickers slowly slip down the standings over the last few years to the point where we finished what 14th out of 15 yeah. last season. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing um, that we've talked about on the show in general and, and, and then with, uh, with the Riverhounds because, you know, they just snapped up Bob Lilly, the longtime um, Riverhounds coach. And I think, you know, even uh, Coach Anhauser with the, the battery to a lesser extent, but, you know, is, is the kind of the notion that maybe times are changing and, and they're getting passed by in terms of maybe a, a tactical um you know, standard and, and, you know, the, the quality of play, and this isn't anything, you know, against them as coaches has gotten a lot better. Um, you know, so people maybe start to wonder if, if their time is, is up, which is a shame, but you know, it's a, it's a valid point. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, talk a little bit as much as it'll probably hurt you given how it ended uh, last year um, <laughs> <laughs> with the kickers. I know you, you guys lost a couple of, of pretty good players, you know, and, and got gutted pretty much, you know, from off season, two years ago now to the beginning of that year. And I'm sure that had a, a factor. Yeah. So the start of 2017, we'd lost um, Hugh Roberts, who was, I think, defender of the year in USL. He was, was. definitely de- defender of the year um, yeah. City Stadium. Um, we also lost Brian Ownby, 
really creative player to Louvre. He's been like, actually lost to a concussion and he had to retire, mm. is I believe what happened. I'm not sure on that. Um, and a lot of new players came in and it never really quite fit together. Um, and, I wa- and I wonder if... Um, so part of it is that Coach Callishaw plays this uh, 4-2-3-1-4-5-1, really sort of uh, discipline-type system. And I think because there was such a big turnover, maybe, there was a problem in terms of like that wasn't as effective as it's been in years past. And maybe, as you said, you're up against higher-quality opposition, so maybe it's not as effective um, when teams are just basically better at breaking that down. So what ended up happening is the kickers won eight, tied eight, lost 16 hmm. scored the f- they actually had a decent defensive record but they scored the fewest goals in the usl eastern conference i didn't check it against the west it may be the fewest goals in the entire usl last season and there really was a problem with with, with goals we sort of uh we had uh el haji kamara on loan from dc united for the first part of the season but then he uh left dc i think he signed somewhere in the middle east i think it was a saudi arabian club just made sounds right yeah yeah so we lost el haji kamara just after we'd there was definitely like the first few games of the season. You could see that there was like a really sort of uh, really useful goal scorer there, and the floodgates finally opened. I think he scored a hat trick um, in a game. We may have lost the game to uh, Otter in the end, but it really felt like okay, it's, it's finally happened. Mm. The goals come in, um, but he took those goals to the <laughs> to the Middle East. So sure. we, we lost uh, Haji Kamara. Um, and there was, so there was a lot of sort of uh, Oliver Minatel um, is a player that I think looks really good every time I've seen him but he had some injury problems we tried signing Frank Tayu who's a sort of really successful indoor soccer player um, but it never quite worked out so it was a real struggle for goals um, and whether it's personnel or tactics I'm not 100% sure it may be a little from column A a little from column B um, but there was, there was never a consistent flow of goals for the kickers last season sure um yeah, and I, I don't know if it's the it's the I'm not the stats guy unfortunately or, or one of the either of the two stats guys, but I would I would imagine the only teams you'd be fighting for um lowest goals would be like Portland two and, and Seattle two. Um right. but you know, they were also terrible. Um yeah, you know, maybe maybe talk about, you know, coming into this year some guys, I know it's early and we haven't really and it's, you know, preseason games, so it doesn't matter a whole lot, but you know, some guys that you're you're excited for in Richmond, and then maybe, you know, even just what do you think, you know, Kalashal is looking for in, in his side for this season? So the obvious thing was to find a goal scorer. So from what I can tell, I don't know much about these players, but I do know that they've signed uh, Giuseppe Gentile um, from Puerto Rico FC. They've signed Brian Shriver from Jacksonville Armada. So there's two strikers that have come in, both from um, NASL teams. And I, I sort of think that we mentioned earlier sort of that you know, other teams have spent more money. So they were able to sort of basically attract higher quality players than the kickers last season. Yeah. Um, I weirdly think that the NASL suspending operations for the first half of the year may have played to the kickers advantage because they can get some um, experienced pros. Um, at probably less than they would have had to pay them, right? Because mm-hmm. the market has changed a little bit where these guys essentially need work, right? You, they need sure. to play soccer to make some money. So they probably got, I don't know much about Gentile or Schreiber, but I'm assuming um, that the kickers were able to get them for less than they would have if you know the market was normal and NASL was sort of still functioning yeah. Yeah, as normal, yeah. right? The other big part of that, right, is, is that if they were still actively operating, they probably wouldn't be on the table. 
Yes, exactly, right, because they'd be contracted, right. right, right. Um, but then the, the striker I think I'm most excited about, just because I'm most familiar with him, is um, Javier Cordovez. I may be pronouncing that inc- incorrectly. Um, he's a Cuban striker, six foot two. So, you know, uh, the kickers love a target man, so six foot two is a good way to go. Um, and basically, I'm excited because I've seen him play. He played for the Charleston Battery on and off last season. He scored against the kickers at least twice, um, I believe. And he's sort of like big, strong guy with fast feet, and he's got that sort of uh, that determination to... Find an angle and shoot no matter what. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you've yeah, ever seen yeah, that, like, yeah. say, Daniel Sturridge, when he was in his pump, uh, when he wasn't getting injured so often, he would right. always find an angle to shoot. I feel like Harry Kane does the same thing right now. Like, yeah. If he's got his back to goal, you know that he's going to find a way to just turn, make a yard, and have a strike. And that's what I saw from Cordobes, and that's what I'm really excited to see uh, for the kickers this season. Um, other, other signings? I'm basically listing signings at this point, but... Oh, yeah. um, uh, Mikel Williams, uh, Trinidad and Tobago international, only 10 caps, but he's a, a defender. I believe he's a centre-back. used to be with the Rapids. He may be a full-back. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so an extra guy on the back line. And then um, a player that uh, Coach Callishaw sort of called out himself, Austin Yearwood, mm-hmm. who was signed from Charlotte Independence, is a left-footed left-back. And we haven't had a left-footed left-back for... A hundred years, I don't think. Maybe not in the history of the Richmond Kickers. Um, We've had Braden Troyer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Who is this brilliant sort of really hardworking guy who I think is really a defensive midfielder, uh, but very right-footed, and he's essentially been filling in at left-back for years now. And he always puts in a really good shift, but you always notice that he gets down the left wing you think, oh, this is a perfect time to cross or to play a pass through with your left foot. And then he'll cut back onto his right foot and he'll sort of use his right foot to pass to a defensive midfielder because he's just not confident with his left foot. And it's almost, I, I'm, I'm never mad at him because I understand he's just doing the best he can do and sure. doing a job that he's been asked to do. Mm. Uh, but I, I think, weirdly, having a left-footed left-back is a very basic thing, but I'm just glad that the kickers finally have it, and I think it'll balance the team out very nicely. So that's Austin Yearwood will be the left-back. Yeah, definitely a guy when, when he popped up for you guys and you know they announced the signing everyone just kind of went all right yeah that's that's a good you know yeah, like that that's makes a pullback sense, that I, I think a lot of if not all of the the usl teams would have liked to have mm-hmm. um you know especially the independents uh not the well i mean charlotte would also like him back i'm sure but the independent <laughs> teams in the league that's tricky i didn't realize that that was a pitfall <laughs> i could make but there it is um yeah you know and and like now, are you just more excited about Cordovez because he can't score against you anymore? Is that like a, <laughs> that's that's definitely part of it. <laughs> definitely one of those big things where I was like, "Yay, Brandon Allen to Bethlehem! He can't hurt me anymore." Um, yeah. oh, one of my my understanding with Cordovez as well is the reason this is from um, an Ask Kalashaw uh, Twitter right thing on. where people could ask the coach questions. Yeah. I think someone asked him about Cordovez, and essentially Kalashaw said that. Um, he was sick of being backup at Charleston Battery. <laughs> so that says to me that they've more or less promised him that all things being equal, um, you're going to be our number one centre forward. So I, I always like the idea of guys who've been forced to play second string suddenly having that moment where you're told, you're the number one striker, go do it. Yeah, and that, that seemed to be a theme a little bit this year as well. Maybe not so much with the NASL guys that came over, you know, for the for the league as a whole. Um, is a lot of guys popping back up in USL on kind of prove it contracts. Yeah. Um, like you know, most recently this morning, Indy Eleven signed Jack McInerney of all people. 
Did they really? I they didn't know. They did. That. Yeah, yeah. Wow. At, at noon today, they announced that one. So that'll be interesting for sure. Because um, you know, if if healthy, and uh, you know, given a given a number one spot, he can definitely do some damage. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, and, and then you know, out of those guys, I'd assume you'd, you'd think of Cordovez as kind of the the marquee signing, or at least you know the, the one that you're going to have your eye on closely. I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, can we? There's there's a big rivalry, and I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think the whole old guard shield thing itself is very interesting because as someone who only came into the league in 2015, um, but that covers a team that I don't know. Negatively, people say we steal the name from a club that was very successful in the early 1900s in Bethlehem Steel. It's kind of a you know nice thing to have respect for the people that came before you. Um, there's a there's a rivalry between your, yourselves, the kickers, and and the uh, the Charleston Battery that's been going on since forever. Um, you know, may, maybe talk a little bit about that, and then how you guys kind of factor into the rest of the old guard shield with uh, with Pittsburgh, and I guess Penn FC still counts. And, you know, that whole kind of setup. I've got to be honest, I do not pay as much attention to the old guard shield as perhaps the the club or the league would would like me to because i'm i'm not sure that i don't notice like a difference in you know temperature or um aggressiveness in those games so i'm not fully convinced that the players buy into it or or even that the fans fully fully buy into it so if i'm honest i can't i can't really speak to it because i'm not that sort of into it if that makes sense um Weirdly, the thing I'm more into is so there is the battery rivalry in terms of the uh, they've just been around as long as the kickers and you know you've got the coach what Mike Anheuser is kind of like I think of him as the the Charleston Lee Callishaw because he's yeah. been with that team sure. for such a long time so I kind of like that idea but I'm most excited for the kickers to play against the newer teams in the southeast mm-hmm. like Atlanta United too and partly because I very much you know I want to see Andrew Carlton and Chris Goslin all these like really talented teenagers right, right. the Atlanta United too. Um, could bring and then also North Carolina FC because I think I'm, I'm sure yeah they've made the jump from NASL to the USL and that you know North Carolina FC is closer than Charleston or, or Atlanta for example so I'm, I'm excited to see a rivalry sort of uh, start there sure yeah you know and, and that's one of the other things too a lot of people especially the clubs kind of down in the south are very excited to get more clubs in the in the southeast yeah um and and to kind of have that you know triangle of you have uh, uh, charlotte and you know north carolina fc it's based out of Cary, i believe and you know just kind of we've we've had a, a very tight there's a, a decently i guess tight block of of teams with you know you have three in pennsylvania there's the one in in new york and the red bulls and then you have you know um since in ohio and, and there's a lot of teams in close distance up here in the northeast but now to see that kind of replicate in the southeast is also um, super exciting for for a lot of reasons, um, if not because it's a really interesting kind of clash of of old school USL versus new school USL. And it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the new kids are kind of perceived to some of those fans, you know, who uh, who maybe do romanticize, I guess, for lack of a better word, the old guard shield and kind of that you know heyday of of those teams maybe in the 90s and early thousands. Yeah, no, I'm really interested to see what Charleston Battery do this year because because of Atlanta United 2, Charleston Battery no longer have the MLS affiliate deal. And I looked at their roster and it looks a little thin to me. And, I mean, I know there's a month to go. They've still got a month, uh, <laughs> 33 shopping days before the right. season sure. starts. But, you know, Romario Williams was definitely their most dangerous striker um, last season, but he's with Atlanta. So 
they may still be able to get him on loan if they've got some sort of just friendly deal where they'll send Romario Williams to Charleston Battery. Mm. Uh, but I'm assuming he wants to compete for a spot with the first team. That would be his his first choice would be to play for the Atlanta first team, right? Um, so yeah. and I, I don't know. Do, I don't know if it, maybe you know if the Battery have another affiliate deal with another MLS team or if they're going to have to somehow find a way to fill out their roster. Yeah, I I haven't heard anything. Um, I, I think what they're going to end up doing in a lot of ways is like what the Riverhounds do, or, or at least Bob Lilly clubs have done, um, and that's you kind of wait till after the MLS draft and then pick and, and choose who you want from there, um, given that that's when the player pool kind of is at its largest, is guys that don't get drafted or you don't have to worry about those guys getting drafted. Right. Um, as far as Williams goes, yeah, I think we're, we're under the impression, at least the, the USL show guys, that he's the backup striker for the first team. Uh, just because they haven't gone out and grabbed anybody, Atlanta United won, I suppose you want to call them, <laughs> haven't grabbed another striker. So he seems to be kind of the heir apparent to that, that second spot in the, in the 18, if, if, you, if you would. Right, because yeah, yeah, Ken, Kenwin Jones has moved on, right? So Mario Williams is up next. Or something yeah. along those lines. So yeah, it's, uh, it's Williams <laughs> kind of, you know, second in the depth chart, at least, you know, as far as anyone can see without having access to internal memos and things like that. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, definitely interesting. And I guess, you know, for, for you, and I guess I'm putting you in a weird spot because you do play-by-play play as well and uh, and things like that, but what's kind of the... I don't know, uh, feeling that you yourself have or maybe just talking to some fans out in Richmond have towards the, the MLS two teams or the affiliate teams or um, maybe even just some of the new kids in general coming in with, with bigger budgets and like a team like Nashville who's already in MLS but they're just kind of hanging out till they get there in a way. I think it. I think it's just a bit of nerves. It's it's wondering sort of can we compete with this? And that's why the the 2018 season for the kickers I think is really big because the club needs to prove that they can put a team on the field that can go up against the ambitious USL teams um, and the like sort of well funded MLS two teams. So I think it's it's one of slight worry I think because we don't want uh, we we don't want it to be proved that we cannot keep up with these guys. Yeah, and, and then, you know, <laughs> what is it about City Stadium that everyone goes in there and just can't pull out wins? You mean opposition teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something, it you know, it just feels like whenever there's an opposing team, and I don't know if this is just because I, I follow Bethlehem the closest, and I don't think we've ever done it, but... Uh, Something about going into that stadium in Richmond, and I don't know if it's just because it's a it's a you know it's a very good defensive team anyway. Um, but you know something about traveling in there and, and just not being able to pick up wins, let alone points, a lot of times is is uh, something that I'd be worried about if I was in Nashville or in Atlanta United too, because I think there's teams that kind of overlook Richmonds and Charlestons and yeah. you know kind of those. I don't want to say, you know, lower tier level teams in USL, but the ones that aren't as flashy, I guess, is a, is a nice way to put that. You know, not your Tampa Bay's, not your Cincinnati's, not your um, Ottawa's even, or, or Red Bull 2 have had playoff success. You know, is, is that part of it, or is, it, is there something to playing in Richmond that the kickers just turn it on and seem to be a lot more organized? I think, I mean, it's certainly not the field itself. The field itself is beautiful. <laughs> it really is like a really well put together piece of grass. 
Um, I, I think it's the way the kickers play. My, my guess is that it's the way the kickers sort of deny other teams space. They're kind of set up to not let you come through the middle. So you end up teams, you see the, the ball ends up out wide so often when uh, they're playing against the kickers. And I think, and, and again, to, to go back to my original point, like in years gone by, that was enough for the kickers to deny space to the opposition. And then they'd sort of hit them on the counter and score a goal. Um, but this past year, that didn't happen. So we ended up losing a lot of games 1-0 or 2-1. Um, as I said, like the, the, the goals scored really low, 24. Goals conceded also really low, 36. So they actually had a very good defensive record, but just not enough to, um, to, ballot, to you know, overcome the, the, lack of, the lack of goal scoring. So, yeah, I really think it's just a well-organized defensive team in that sense that has numbers in midfield and makes it hard for opposition teams to play against. So final question, and then I'll let you plug yourself and we can get out of here. But uh, <laughs> the kind of the what what in your in your head or right now is kind of the best case scenario this year for Richmond? And then, um, you know, God forbid, the I guess the worst case scenario. So very best case is that the kickers make the playoffs, I would say, because that had been what we expected for years and years and years. And the kickers are always solid enough to make the playoffs no matter what happens. And then we've learned in the last couple of years that that is no longer guaranteed because the league has moved up a level. So the good version of that is that the new signings, um, they seem to be of a higher quality than last season. Um, so if guys like uh, Williams and Cordovez and Yearwood really work out, I think that's part of the best case scenario. Um, to mention a couple of other players, if you'll indulge me a, a second. Yes. Um, they've also added two, um, is it called academy contracts, um, where you can sign on sort of non-professional terms, you can sign uh, kids from your academy? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple different ways that you can go about that, but there is, uh, like, and, and it's weird because I'm not terribly sure about the academy contracts themselves, because what Bethlehem will do is take kids from the Union Academy and they don't have to sign them. Right. Um, but yeah, no, there's a, there's academy deals or like amateur contracts. I know you, you guys use two of one of them. Yeah. So yeah, two. We've got a midfielder, Sam Bacon, um, 18 year old midfielder, and a 17 or 18 year old, I think it'll be 18 by the time the season starts, goalkeeper uh, called Kent Dickey, who is actually the only goalkeeper on the kickers roster Ooh, fun. right now. And that was one of the problems last season is uh, the kickers signed two new keepers, um, DeBellis and Wimmer. And they barely played. Instead, we had a series of loans. Matt Turner, Travis Wara, Eric Klinowski um, were sort of in on loan. And genuinely, I would turn up to the stadium sometimes. We wouldn't know who was going to be in goal for the Richmond kickers. And all of those three guys were very capable. But obviously, there's, a, there's a definitely a team unity thing or a cohesion thing when it's a different goalkeeper every week. And I would point to, I'm not sure, I'm sure the coach won't be happy with me saying this, but I would suggest that Debilis and Vimmer, the fact that they were signed and then barely played, suggest that maybe the kickers got it wrong with mm. with those signings. Mm. So the, one of the worst case scenarios is that that kind of thing happens again. The best case scenario is that Kent Dickey, 18 year old, you know, is genuinely good enough to play first team <laughs> football in USL and has a lights out season. It's not it's not impossible, right? I don't no, no, I don't predict that, but that's what I would absolutely love to see. Um, the other part of the best case scenario is that uh, Luis Fernando. Are you familiar with this guy? Vaguely, but, but so he's a Brazilian who uh, came over um, in 2016 um, as a teenager. I think he was 18 or so. Only played a few minutes first season, played a lot more minutes last season. He is now 20 years old. He's in his third season in the United States. And I think this might be the year when he's really ready to um, take on some responsibility and be a starting player. And this kid has 
all kinds of tricks. I, I kind of love watching his like uh, roll your foot over the top of the ball and then go move. Like he really is a really creative, inventive player. Um, and it looked like he didn't quite know what to do with it the first year. And he almost figured out what to do with it last year. And this year might be the year where he starts being productive. So Luis Fernando is a player I'm really excited about. And I think, not that the whole season hinges on him, but I think if the kickers have a good season, then part of that will be that Luis Fernando finally puts his skills to best use, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. One so of those the, guys that can take fun training ground tricks and turn them into yeah. real game, you know, yeah, production and, and, and things yeah. that can really tie defense up. And he used to turn it into, you know, giving the ball away. Right. We wanted him now to turn it into... 2017, he turned it into not giving the ball away, but not producing any goals. Mm. 2018, I want it to be producing goals. So that's the best case scenario. Um, worst case scenario is that the new signings don't work out. Um, that the DC United affiliate deal maybe is um, unsuccessful. Because there were a lot of times where they would send a player down for a couple games and then he'd go back up. And it just felt to me like they were popping in and out. So the team never got quite to... I'd, like, I'd almost rather no players come down and you just stick with the core guys, right? Like, so we don't get a DC United midfielder come down, but Braden Troy gets to play centre midfield the whole season or something like that. Um, and especially, as I understand it, DC are going to have their own USL affiliate in 2019. They are so, at least thinking about it, yeah, but I'm pretty sure they're going to pull out, if you will, and, and form their own too. Right, so the kickers should start preparing to not have that deal, right? And I, I would still argue that I think the kickers are a better team with without the DC guys coming down and sort of interrupting the flow of what everybody else is doing, even if they're technically superior players, if that sure, if that makes sure. sense. Um, so yeah, the, the worst case scenario is that the new signings don't work out. Maybe Luis Fernando doesn't take that next step. Um, you know, Cordova doesn't score any goals. We don't have a goalkeeper. Is <laughs> one of their problem. Could be a problem. And the DC guys kind of uh, in and out, and no one's consistent. And we basically have the same sort of season where we're slightly overmatched. Try to try to hold every team that comes to City Stadium and don't quite succeed in doing it. And we finish well outside the playoffs again. But I can say this: at the end of the year, the kickers will still be in business. It's true, and that's incredibly important for so many reasons. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's always good to have, you know, more teams professionally for a huge number of reasons that I won't even try to get into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daryl, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I would be a terrible host and, and a, a worse person if I didn't ask you to plug yourself because that's the least I can do. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. if you want to catch the, the Total Soccer Show, publishes uh, five days a week. It's myself and my co-host, uh, Taylor Rockwell, and we sort of cover U.S. men's national team. Uh, we'll do Major League Soccer, some previews coming up. Uh, we sort of review all the action uh, every weekend. Um, we try, basically, we try and do everything, and we, we fail miserably to do everything, but we, we definitely try our best. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, and and then yeah, you know, elsewhere for you, um, top drawer soccer, which if people are into college or high school soccer or just want to know more about people that have been drafted recently, that's like a huge resource. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. You're you're better at you're better at plugging me than I am. Thank you very much. Well I'm also I'm also <laughs> looking at it, which helps a little bit. It's you know, I know wearing many hats sometimes is a is an interesting endeavor. Yeah, with well, the uh, Top Draw Soccer Show podcast, we cover a lot of youth national team stuff as well. So if you wanna mm. like we were talking about Chris Dirk and Andrew Carlton, those guys, I think kind of a little before they became a bit more uh mainstream. So yeah, if you want to hear about the next generation of players, uh Top Draw Soccer Show is really good. I think we're planning as well, um, maybe in the next two or three weeks 
um, a look, once we know who the guys are going to be, we're going to do a preview of the exciting young players on USL rosters to watch throughout the season. Guys like, say, Chris Goslin. <laughs> Yeah, is that just going to be an hour about Chris Goslin? Yes. Okay, great. <laughs> it's going to be Chris Goslin's top 20 hard-hitting tackles. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the Chris Goslin preview hour. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, Daryl, it, it has been a pleasure. Um, I, this is going to sound terrible. It's refreshing to talk to someone who's not just another American, um, <laughs> by, by trade at least. And, uh, yeah, this, yeah, we, this country's full of Americans. It's really bizarre, isn't it? It's, it's <laughs> like it's, it's set up that way or something. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely thanks for, for coming on and talking Richmond, and uh, I'm sure we will be, uh, be hearing from you at some point uh, this season. Definitely go check out Daryl and, and, and Total Soccer Show guys and the Top Drawer guys and everything like that, for sure. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. And again, it's one of those weird things where I don't know how to intro these things because um, it's not like a part of the show with a bunch of other people. So it feels awkward, and this is how I intro things. So joining me from Black and Yellow Post uh, and, and Soccer and Sweet Tea, right? I know I tagged, like, when um, I tweeted that, I was like, are you, is that a thing? But uh, yeah, both uh, of those things. It's, I've uh, written a couple of articles for them. Fair so. enough. I guess it counts. Well, it, it'll count. It'll count. Goose, it counts. Um, yeah. it's, it's Johnny Ace from from Black and Yellow Post and such. What's up, guys? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you, you're... See, now, it's funny, because I don't think a lot of people know that that's your actual name and, like, that that's your actual name. Like, they think it's a gimmick or whatever. And I'm just like, no, it's, it's really, like... Yeah, John Ace is... John Ace is my name, so. Yeah, because, it, it, I mean, it works out so well, and everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. Like, I wish I had a really cool fake name. And I'm like, well, the problem is that it's real. Um, yeah. Anyway, you... Uh, you've, Cover the battery for for a while now, or like at least since I've been in the league, which basically means forever. So I figured I'd have you on <laughs> to talk about them. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having me on. No worries. That well, you, you know, we'll wait for it and see if it actually comes off all right, and then you can thank me. It'll it'll be fine. I don't all want right. people jumping the gun and thinking that I'm really great at this when I might not be. Um, okay. First question I ask everybody: you know, the first year in USL for the battery, and then kind of all of that fun stuff. Give us a little bit of background. Yeah. Um, first year in the league was 1993. We used to play at a ground on the um, on the campus in the Citadel, but we moved to our own ground, which used to be called Blackboard Stadium, and is also and is now called uh, MUSC Health Stadium. In what well, I want to say 2000. So. Um, yeah, we. This is our what, twenty sixth year in the league now, so we're doing pretty pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, there's there's been many a team that have done worse than that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, and it, it's funny because I had um, Daryl on to talk the kickers. Uh, an, another, it's weird. This is like the UK episode. Uh, you know, but but he was saying that Mike An- Mike Anhauser is is the Lee Cowshaw of, of Charleston just because he's been around forever and like those two just kind of seem to like like they're they they have a weird bet that they're like waiting to see who who gets to leave first and then the the other one yeah. goes with them kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, Augie's been around for a long time. He was um, uh, assistant coach before he was a coach. He was a player before he was even a. He was even part of the coaching staff, but um, injuries hampered his career, and then he became a coach, and 
now the rest is history. I mean, he's won what I want to say three of our five titles. So <laughs> yeah, def- definitely like, and and I think it's true of Charleston as a whole throughout the years. But like, definitely one of the more successful old guard shield teams. Like, you exactly. know, and and. And that's even more impressive given, and, and Daryl and I talked about it a little bit when we were talking earlier, um, especially given that it seems like for, for a lot of the OGS teams that, like, the league might be passing them by a little bit, you know? A little bit. Um, a lot of our fans have talked about how, you know, the battery gets shafted in terms of, like, media coverage mm-hmm. for your FC Cincinnati's and your uh, Ottawa's and things like that. People, yeah, Tampa Bay. Guys that are brand new and have all these rowdy fans and, you know, the hip clubs, you know, the Portland Timbers of of USL. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's there's already one of those and they're not that great, so I don't know if that analogy is going to come off, but fair, fair play. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, no, I mean, but it, in spite of that, or, or maybe, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people that know the league, you know, on, on a personal level, like other members of the media, or, or even your more kind of diehard fans definitely know that you guys aren't anything to take lightweight. Um, maybe talk a little bit about what, what your uh, your outcome was last year, though. Um, we actually had a really good year, and then in the well, first round of the playoffs, it almost was like a lot of these guys knew that they were gonna leave maybe or um, I don't want to say giving up because that's not the right analogy but it was like they ran out of steam Mm. in a certain way Um, I know when Romario came back from the gold copy he was a different player he had a chip on his shoulder um, before the Gold Cup, and a little bit of that had left by the time he came back. I don't know if it was like one of these, you know, I made it sort of things, and I don't have to try anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that too much, because that gives away a little bit too much. But um, I don't know how... I don't know what it was but we just seemed totally flat in that match against the Red Bulls Mm. and I know a lot of the players didn't take that lightly Uh, have a little bit of a you know revenge sort of factor going into this year but um, and I think that might be a part of why we kept uh, nine players and three players from our back (coughs) from our back line last from last year because they felt like they were you know responsible in a certain sense sure yeah and you know that's interesting too because you know obviously um, you you lose the partnership with Atlanta United that you had yeah um, you know which which might be a little unfortunate depending on where Romario Williams actually ends up of course Um but, you know, obviously life goes on. You replace those guys. You know, who have you brought in this year? Or is there anybody out of that of that litter that you'd, you'd highlight as someone worth watching? Um, Jay Bolt at right back 
had a really good game against Minnesota. And uh, so did Victor Mansari, who it's interesting because Victor apparently didn't have a good season last year at Cincinnati. No. But <laughs> no, no, he but didn't. The, but the funny thing about it is that, you know, Augie had to deal with Dane Kelly for a number of years, and a lot of people said he didn't have said that Victor didn't have the greatest attitude but coach knows how to deal with those kind of characters so we'll see what happens with him and I feel like Jay Bolt basically came out of nowhere and had a really good game against Minnesota so I'm excited to see what happens with him yeah and it's, it's one of those things too and I think I thought you know, because everyone, oh, you know, Williams is gone, Charleston's going to absolutely, the bottom's going to fall out quick. Yeah, I mean. Um, but, you know, I, I thought Mansurey kind of fell to you guys, and I, I honestly thought a lot of his attitude problems that he had were due to just lack of playing time. Yeah. With um, Cincinnati, because, you know, their favorite thing to do is sign 27 people and then just kind of throw everything at a wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, and we'll definitely miss um, Romario's pace in behind. Um, Ian Spanterson is a similar type of Ford, but he's definitely not as fast as Romario is. Um, but eventually, um, we'll adapt, I think. Um, it's also worth noting that we kept... Um, well, three of our midfielders from last year. I know we lost um, Portillo, but Ryan Arambula in the second half had a really good second half of um, the, Minis- the Minnesota game and controlled that midfield. And it was, it was a good thing to see because he didn't get many minutes last year. So hopefully he'll shoehorn into that uh, position. And then I, I guess we'd be remiss, and you, I mean, you've, you've brought it up without bringing it up like three times, but there's a there's a pretty decent preseason tournament that goes on your way. Um, so, and, and in a way, and I don't know if, if you know, I'm, I mean, I, I imagine you're inclined to agree, but having that Challenge Cup down there is, is probably a big leg up for the battery just in terms of getting ready for the season. I mean, yeah, I mean... It was only our what, second game of preseason. Our first game was against Coastal, and we drew 3-3. And that wasn't a really good result, obviously, uh, against the college team. <laughs> but um, but coach likes to likes to get them back maybe a week before the Challenge Cup starts and kind of throw the players to the wolves a little bit because... He, he still doesn't know exactly what he's going to do with the with the lineup and the roster. There's about four or five players that are probably uh, closer to contracts than others. But he needs to he needs to see um, all the trialists. So he kind of throws them all to the wolves. And for our second game of preseason, that Minnesota game is. A really good, um, a really good, um, 
how do you say I I've forgotten my words a really good uh, litmus test mm. so to speak in um, in how and how we could line up for the whole season and mm. um, you know and it'll it'll take a little getting used to because we've lost some key pieces from last year but you know I think we'll be okay fair enough um yeah, and I mean, you know, and in a way, too, not that I think everyone in the world has been in sport, but for, for some of the people that are saying, well, our, you know, we don't get enough coverage, and I mean, rightfully so, I don't I don't think you do. Um, like, Charleston, to me, kind of always feels like that Dark Horse team, regardless of if they're good all year or not, um, yeah. which is a bit strange, but it is what it is. Um, you know, but just having that broadcast on being sport, and even just for people, you know, in the States to see that there's a soccer team in Charleston, um, and especially with some other clubs coming in, who I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second, like that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, we've the USL has always been a bit um, a bit unlucky in in television partnerships since uh, the advent and you know shuttering of uh, Fox Sports World, who had a proper USL deal, and I feel like after ESPN is only showing what two games a week um, on their streaming service I think uh, the BN Sport deal is a really important deal for not only the club but the league itself mm-hmm. yeah for sure um, and it would be interesting to see what kind of numbers they get because I'm sure it's not absolutely you know stunning the, the executives out there but it's probably not nothing um, yeah for sure, and you know, teams like Minnesota United being down there definitely don't hurt. No, um, I mean, the yeah. whole thing. The whole thing about the Carolina Challenge Cup is basically showing that the team and the league can stack up against uh, the MLS teams. So that's great too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then you know, maybe talk about obviously there's the old guard shield, which I. I people that are going to listen to this know about, but if they don't, it's all the teams that have been around since the, uh, well, I mean, the inception, I guess, quote-unquote, of the league. I know, like, a lot of them have kind of come in at different years, so it's not exactly, it's all the teams that started in, you know, 1996, but yeah, it's all the teams that have been around since, like, the USL Pro Days, basically. Um, so, obviously, there's, there's that natural rivalry, and there's a literal shield that goes with that, and, and stats and things like that, but I guess, you know, couple other teams closer to you guys this year and and uh, and you know is there anyone just kind of in general that you think are, are a little more physical games than, than normal uh, it's going to be interesting that uh, North Carolina game um, because we had a rivalry with the Railhawks and then they moved to the uh, NASL and in terms of the old guard shield, there's always the Richmond kickers. I mean, the state of rivalries for us is like, um, we're really good friends with you, except those 90 minutes that we play against each other. And I feel like that's only helped the rivalry because there is that mutual respect between clubs, uh, between the clubs. And it's, it's, um, especially with with uh, Rochester leaving for at least a year, 
um, I think that Richmond tie is going to be especially important this year. Yeah, and it, you know, and, and obviously it's it's weird because you know I, I think I, I, well I hope a lot of people you know are, are maybe not necessarily reverent to, towards the the old guard clubs because I, I don't think that's healthy. But at the same time, you know, it's it's acknowledging that okay, you know, without these clubs and without you know even um, it's going to be weird because we're going to basically try to forget Harrisburg's lineage but you know w- without all those old clubs there's no USL because I mean they had to stick through it when there was five or six teams you know like when they were yeah, the yeah. in the league um, in a very like NASL today kind of thing except for you know USL never announced it was taking like a nine month hiatus or something yeah that's weird um, but uh, you know it's one of those things where like I really hope a lot of people understand that like you know don't take those games lightly because they are you know well coached teams if nothing else but you know um, especially with Pittsburgh and, and, you know, you guys have always been up there and, and Richmond's been consistent except for last year. Um, you know, it, not to take those teams lightly by any means, you know, but, but don't hate them because they're they're there and they're kind of the old old news in a way, you know? So I mean, U.S. soccer, a lot of people forget that U.S. soccer does have its history and teams like, you know, Richmond and Harrisburg and, um, well, Penn FC, I guess, mm. they call that. Um, and, you know, Rochester also. Um, and I was really sad when Rochester announced that they were going to um, take a hiatus. Mm. But people have to realize that they're just as important to American soccer history as the men's national team and Ghana and, um, <laughs> and things like that. I mean, right. so it, and the new MLS teams. So it's a whole, it's a whole thing that a lot of people are, you know, disregarding. You know, the USL in some shape or form has been around longer than MLS, and people don't understand that. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of the older clubs fans, you know, take take um, to heart and kind mm. of tear on their sleeve a little bit. Mm. Well, and, and you know, I don't think it's lack of, of understanding, maybe, because I don't think, well, I, I would hope it's not a hard concept to understand that, no, like, no, 1992 no. and 1993 or before 1996, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's just, and, and I think that's part of why I think the Old Guard Shield is really cool. I think it's about awareness. Yeah, um, it is. And, it's, yeah. and it's a little weird, and, and maybe it's because it wasn't a great time for, for the USL or, or, you know, whatever it was called back back then. Or even, yeah. you know, I'm sure Jake Edwards would, would like to maybe focus on this USL as opposed to USL Pro or anything like that for, yeah. for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, understanding that it's it's a league that's been around for a very, very long time and the quality of play has gotten extremely better <laughs> like, okay. I mean, like even from 2015 um, you know and, and and there's more and more guys that play in USL that are getting MLS contracts and that are playing overseas and you know things like that so it's oh. yeah it's it's a it's a weird balance and that we have to you know remember where we came from in a way and, and I think US soccer would be you know good for it to, to kind of promote USL a little more um, although the Division Two sanctioning definitely helps 
Um, yeah, it does. It does. But, you know, and, and part of it's on, on us as well to, to bring it up more, and I'm glad you did, because we've never talked about, like, you know, yeah. hey, these teams have been around for, like, ever. Like, they're older than I am. That's crazy. I mean, we won our first title in, I want to say, 96, and um, it was, it was in terms of American soccer, that's, you know, ages ago. Well, that's like the first, that's the, you know, the, the genesis, like the day one of American soccer is 1996 for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was two at the time, I wasn't right. even in Charleston. <laughs> Yeah, really. So, I mean, you know, uh, I became a football fan even when I was four, when mm. uh, my stepdad uh, showed up. So, I mean, that was even before I was a fan. But mm. I understand that, you know, part of part of the Charleston Battery's uh, draw, so to speak, is that, you know, heritage and how, you know, how we stack up against the Columbus crew who famously, in a certain sense, uh, opened their stadium like a week before ours, and that was their first, that was their first um, soccer-specific stadium in America, so. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, do I have anything on that? No, that's it. That's all I got. Ace, um, plug yourself, and then we can, uh, we can get out of here. Um, all right, you can follow me on Twitter at Black Yellow Post, and um, I hope I haven't bored you to death today. Um, and my website is blackyellowpost.wordpress.com. I hope to go. see you soon. I yeah no I I gotta start figuring out road trips and things because I got people from all over the the. Eastern Conference, at the very least, who want to say hi. Um, so, no. <laughs> in the end, up, we're very in the end, up, we're very happy people to be around. I mean, the regiment tailgates are are a pretty fun time, you know. Yeah. Um, and I hope you show up one of these days. That would be uh, it. Would be good. I, I know I have a lot of standing dates and things that you know I I have a standing offer in Nashville that I'm pretty interested in for a variety of reasons mostly just chicken and beer um chicken and beer yeah because that's that's what they offered me so yep no mm -hmm. for sure listen johnny appreciate you being on no um, problem good no. stuff as always and i'm sure we'll uh we'll uh we'll be in touch if we need any batter related things in the in the future yeah please do drop a line yeah